Welcome back to our Pilgrim's Progress podcast. We are in part two of a section involving Vanity Fair. And we're actually going to get to the fair this week. We're on page 113 at the bottom. Talkative has just left after being shown the door by Christian and Faithful. And um, now that uh, they're done with Talkative, they meet another person along the way who uh, is also someone they've previously met. And who is this? Evangelists. All right, now tell us a little bit about Evangelist. Well, Evangelist shows up early in the story. He's the one that is pointing uh, Christian to the wicket gate, to the way of salvation, and is faithfully um, proclaiming the gospel, pointing him to Jesus. But it's really interesting how he shows back up at various points to uh, provide perspective and strengthen. And in this passage, he walks back up. Um, to Christian and faithful, and he begins to prepare them for what he knew they were going to encounter right. at the Vanity Fair, uh, in Vanity Fair. And so it's really interesting to me that that Bunyan portrays an evangelist not not just as someone who makes converts, but as someone who makes disciples. Right. Um, he even says, evangelist says to Christian and uh, faithful. You are not yet out of the gunshot of the devil. You have not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. Let the kingdom be always before you, and believe steadfastly concerning things that are invisible. Let nothing that is on this side, uh, the other world, get within you. And above all, look well to your own hearts, to the lust thereof, for they are deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Set your I like this. Set your faces like a flint, and you have all power in heaven and earth on your side. So Evangelist is saying, you uh, you're heading towards celestial city. You're on the right path, but you are not through with suffering yet. I like how they tell me that you're not out of the gunshot of the devil. Yeah, you're, so. you're, you're not out of harm's way yet because the devil's opposed to you, and he knew what was coming up at Vanity Fair. Well, and you know, that that's interesting also that God uh, often sends people to prepare us before we go through a season of suffering or some opposition. And here it's evangelist. Um, we know that other parts in this pilgrimage, Christian, Christian has had people come before or after to strengthen him. I think, I think we need to learn from that something about proclaiming the gospel. This morning on the way to take Connor to school, we were praying for an unreached people group in Libya. There's a, a Bedouin people group. And they're unreached, unengaged, and they, there's, you know, they're um, Sunni Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the person talking about this people growth podcast says, you know, basically they're hard to get to, hard to reach. And the implication is when they start coming to Christ, there's going to be severe opposition from their yeah. family. So if, so if God sends you to a place like that and you're preaching the gospel, it's not just, hey, get to Jesus and you're going to heaven. It's, hey, get to Jesus, you're going to heaven. Right. And then following Jesus means hardship and suffering, but God will be with you. Yeah. Well, and... So this is what the hardship was that he prepared them for, was a place called Vanity Fair. Mm-hmm. Now, Vanity Fair, that was the name of a magazine. The magazine's named after this, which is mm-hmm. not positive. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that we conceive of the word fair is we think that it's a carnival. Mm-hmm. But a fair is, come, is kind of like a trade show mm-hmm. or a market. Mm-hmm. And so Vanity Fair is a, a giant. Mall. Like yeah, a, a mall. It's like a mall. A mall. Kind of a wild mall. So Vanity Fair <laughs> is a wild mall in this town of vanity where they sell stuff Mm -hmm. and page 116 to 117 uh, even through 118 they talk about 
all the details of Vanity Fair, mm-hmm. all the different things you could uh, buy there. And it's the way of, uh, it's it's on the way to Celestial City. It's right in their right. path. Right. And on page 118, halfway through, we see where they actually get to it. Now, as I said, the way to the Celestial City lies just through this town where this lusty fair is kept. And he that would go to the city and yet not go through this town must needs go out of the world. Mm. Like you can't get to the celestial city without going through Vanity Fair. He repeats it on top of page 119. Now these pilgrims, as I said, must needs go through this uh, fair. So we are um, not of the world as Christians. Um, We've been rescued by Jesus. We have the spirit living in us. We are going to heaven when we die. We have the church around us, but we are living our lives out in the world. Right. And you can't escape that. You just can't. So they enter the fair, and, and it says uh, in the first couple of lines here that the people in the fair notice that these two travelers aren't like everyone else in the fair. And so what are some of the ways they notice that they're different? Well, their raiment, they, uh, they were dressed differently, and so that, that stood out. Um, and I think that probably in Bunyan's mind is representative of our standing in Christ, mm-hmm. our position in Christ. You know, the Bible speaks of being robed in righteousness. And so, you know, that, that differentiates us from those who are not uh, regenerate. And then he mentions um, their speech. Uh, their speech put them at odds with the people. They right. looked different in terms of what they were wearing, and they talked different. Right. And that got their attention. And the third thing that really got the the people's attention at Vanity Fair is they weren't smitten by the goods they were selling. Yeah, and when they tried to sell them stuff, they would stop up their ears. Right, right. They, 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 weren't, uh, um, they weren't caught up in the goods. They kept... Pressing them on page 120, what will you buy? But they, looking gravely upon him, said, we buy the truth. Right. I love that. I love that statement. It kind of reminds me of uh, him, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world grow strangely dim Mm -hmm. in the light of his glory and grace. The more our eyes are on Jesus, the less appeal the shiny things of this world will have that, that the world communicates you have to have these things to be happy yeah and um and christian and faithful weren't buying it and literally yeah uh, and and metaphorically and the people didn't like it they looked different they talked different and they were not smitten with the things well in fact like the people of the fair get so upset that these outsiders are quote overturning their fair they end up arresting them and bringing them in for questioning Mm -hmm. so on page 120 uh, the men were brought to examination. And so they just start asking them questions about what they are doing. Um, they make some accusations and they beat them and then they put them in a cage. Mm. And the the goal of this is to embarrass them and make them a spectacle. Right. And so the, the cage serves to publicly humiliate and entertain the people of the fair with, look, this, these are the people who don't get what we're doing here. Right. But... It's interesting, when they put them in the cage, page 121 says that um, basically people will go and stop and laugh and throw stuff at them, um, pick on them, but they they don't revile them back and they don't seek revenge. They're not trying to get back at the people who are treating them poorly. In fact, by the way they treat people, some people in the fair are convinced the fair is wrong. 
You're right. So they start winning some converts, mm-hmm. and that's really when the bad stuff happens. Right. Because it says on the bottom of page 121, then were these two poor men brought before their examiners again and charged as being guilty of the late hubbub. So you know, what had happened is in front of their cage, people started fighting over whether or not they're being treated fairly, and they got blamed for the riot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, the story of Paul in Ephesus, right? Exactly. That's exactly. And probably what Bunyan had in mind as he yeah. wrote this. And I, I wrote in the margin, I probably wrote this a long time ago, this is my old copy, but I wrote a, a quote that I that I use a lot from Ralph Waldo Emerson, and it's right by the section where they arrest them and examine them before they put them in the cage. And the quote is, for nonconformity, the world whips you with its displeasure. Yeah. And that's what Bunyan is picturing here. If you are not conformed to the ways of this world, then the world is not going to like it, and they're going to turn on you. And that's what happens to Christian and faithful. And so it says, this is what's interesting, is there, it doesn't give any dialogue between them, but it talks about they both remember evangelists warning them. Mm-hmm. And it says they know that bad things are about to happen to them. And, but between them secretly, each one wishes they'd get the worst of it, right? <laughs> right, like, right. Like, man, I hope they get me and not, yeah. you know. So they're actually... Martyr complex. Yeah, they're, they're ready. <laughs> right. So on page 123, their trial starts. And we're not going to spend a lot of time going over all the characters, all the details. Um, but to get to the main point, witnesses are summoned against them. Mm-hmm. Um, and these witnesses, uh, envy and superstition and pick thank, mm-hmm. uh, basically just go to town saying bad things about um, faithful mm-hmm. and Christian the, the one thing is, uh, I think worth noting, is that uh, superstition, hmm. his complaint, he says, I heard him say that our religion was not and such by which a man could by no means please God. Hmm. And this is obviously um, Bunyan writing about contemporary Catholicism in his environment in England. Right. Because during that phase is when you had the relics, mm-hmm. the indulgences being paid money for, mm-hmm and all kinds of superstitious practices that were supposed to give you merit and favor with God. This uh, late medieval Catholicism mm-hmm. was just filled with rituals, superstition, mm-hmm. all kinds of non-biblical things. And a lot of that had bled over in the Church of England as well. Right, right? Yeah. And, and carried on mm-hmm. um, through that Reformation. It was a very light Reformation in right. part of England. Right. And so you know what he's talking about here. Mm-hmm. Like contemporarily, he's... There were people saying that about Bunyan, right? You know that he right. he he claims I'm not a good Christian. That that what I do can't please God, and this was part of the public, uh, part of the public fervor that really landed Bunyan in prison. You mm-hmm. know, is that people in England didn't like the fact that these nonconformists, especially the Baptist, right, would would upend society in such a way as to say that everyone else was wrong and they were the only right ones. Exactly. Right. So there's there's obviously some contemporary stuff when he deals with uh, superstitions, accusations. And so after that, the judge comes in. And uh, you want to talk a little bit about what the judge says? Under the judge's charge? Yes. Yeah, they have all these, these uh, folks witnessing against them. Faithful stands strong. He makes some strong statements. Um, he, he basically says, uh, answering what Mr. Envy had said, 
Um, I never said aught but this, that what ruler laws or customer people were flat against the word of God and, and are diametrically opposed to Christianity. Um, and then he goes on to answer Mr. Superstition, uh, that in the worship of God there is required a divine faith, but there can be no divine faith without a divine right. revelation of the will of God. You're like, basically, you made up these things, so how can they please God? <laughs> right, right. And so he's standing, he's really standing by the book. It almost kind of reminds you of Martin Luther. Right. You know, when he's before uh, the Diet of Worms, and he 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 affirms, I, I can't do anything else other than stand on my conviction of right. the Word of God. My favorite is when, uh, when pick, was it pick Thank? Yeah, pick Thank. Is like he said that we weren't worthy to live in this town anymore if we kept doing this. And uh, Faithful says, No, I actually said they're more fit for hell than this town. Right, <laughs> right, like, you're right. The judge them. doesn't like it. The, yeah. ju- the judge does not like uh, what uh, Faithful has to say. Yeah, Faithful it, uh, suddenly becomes odious to the judge. Right. And so, you know, very simply, he, just, he condem- de- condemns him to die, yeah. deserving of death. And so that's uh, after after pontificating a little bit about Nebuchadnezzar and Darius and on Pharaoh, mm-hmm. he uh, summons a jury, mm-hmm. and uh, Mister Blindman, Mister No Good, Mister Malice, Mister Lust, Love Lust, Mister Live Loose, Mister Live Loose, <laughs> Mister Heady, Mister High Mind, Mister Enmity, Mister Liar, Mister Cruelty, and Mister uh, Mister Hate Light and Mister Implacable. Not the not the not the people you want no uh, not not a passing, not a very good jury right. yeah right and so they all basically give uh a line or two and some of them are comical because they fit like cruelty says hanging's too good for him right right yeah <laughs> um so they basically pass a sentence on him and it says that he's put to death right um but here's what's really just a great biblical analogy to some other passages mm-hmm. And it says that as they do all this cruel stuff to him on page 129, now I saw that there stood behind the multitude a chariot and a couple of horses waiting for faithful. I love this passage, yes. And who so soon as his adversaries had dispatched him was taken up into it and straightway was carried up through the clouds with sound of trumpet, the nearest way to the celestial gate. So Bunyan pictures faithful's martyrdom as glorious. Yeah. That he is rewarded, you know, the chariot of fire takes him on to heaven like Elijah. Yep. And it's just a, a really, uh, really cool uh, picture. Uh, but then there's a difference in how Christian makes out. Yeah. Uh, it says right after that, um, that he who overrules all things, having the power of their rage in his own hand, so wrought it about that Christian for that time escaped them and went his way. So you have uh, faithful martyred, mm-hmm. and you have Christian released and right. I find that interesting and I think what I think what Bunyan is doing there is he's referencing a passage like Hebrews 11 which I have it here I'm just going to read just a short passage uh, from the end of the you know Hebrews Hall of Faith right the Bible says what more shall I say for time would fail me to tell of Gideon Barak Samson Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith Conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. And so Hebrews 11 pictures that sometimes 
when you follow Jesus and obey Him and live uh, a life of strong faith in a strong God, that there's victory. Right. Put armies to flight. Shut the mouths of lions. Uh, you might see that in Christian. He was released. God yeah. overruled their intention for him, and he was released and was able to go on his way. Sometimes when you live for the Lord, there is, from the world's perspective, uh, defeat. Yeah, you know, suffering. You, suffering. Martyrdom, even, is what he mentions here. And so I'll, I'll, you ask me the questions. I ask, I'll ask you this question. Uh, how do we process that, that sometimes when you're faithful, you're delivered and you experience victory. Sometimes when you're faithful, you suffer for it. Well, I think you have to look at the overall providence of God. There are times that He grants victory so that uh, His Word and the Gospel gets some press time. Mm -hmm. And there are other times that it gets press time a different way when, when the world would stop and say, what type of fool would sell their life for that? And because they see suffering... They finally realize, well, that's, that's more valuable than whatever's in Vanity Fair. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens here is uh, right after this, mm -hmm. a guy named Hopeful joins Christian. Mm -hmm. And so it was it a great, That was a great segue. Yeah. That was good. So, the answer the question segued right back to the I, I know, That's what that I'm was, here for. That was impressive. And so uh, basically, they lose one, they gain another. Mm -hmm. And he even says there are others coming too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and the interesting thing going back to faithful's martyrdom is the book is pretty clear well he goes straight to the celestial city right they're going the same way the quickest way there was actually martyrdom that's right right but it all leads to the same place whether you get through it with a victory in the world's eyes or a defeat mm. god knows where you're going the world's not worthy of you that's right and the you know the victory of of being martyred and going straight to heaven uh it, it also the victory of of going through hardship and God used that to draw others to himself like mm -hmm. you just said it was Irenaeus that said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church yeah. that every time someone tries to stamp out Christianity every time Vanity Fair raises its you know right. evil head and tries to stamp out Christianity um, it's impossible uh, every time someone is martyred it, it's a it's a witness um, to um, the glory of God and the the power of the gospel and the gospel just it's almost like trying to stamp out a wildfire mm -hmm. every time you stamp out a flame over here it pops up over here and the gospel ultimately triumphs and so I think that's pictured here as well well and the other thing is Christian were he to kind of see the grand scheme his deliverance wasn't just for his own sake mm -hmm. but someone had to be their disciple mm -hmm. this new hopeful mm -hmm. Someone had to be there to disciple the people who were leaving Vanity Fair. So God left himself a witness mm -hmm. through the process, too. And, and had a purpose uh, for his life. That's why he preserved yeah. him. Mm -hmm. And all, all of that, you know, is, is hidden in the providence of God. We don't know why it is the way it is when it happens one way for one and uh, one way for another. But that's God knows what to do with his church. Right. So. Right. We just trust a sovereign God. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, getting through Vanity Fair. And I uh, hope that you'll tune in again next week. We're going to be talking about the giant despair. Hmm. So uh, rhymes Very with Vanity Fair, but completely different. Important passage because every Christian in some way, shape, or form has to deal with this giant. It's some of the richest metaphor in the book coming really up is. with it's, giant it's despair. It's powerful. Yeah. powerful. Yeah. It's going to be good. And we'll see you uh, next week for that. Hope you're having a great time uh, going through Pilgrim's Progress. God bless. Blessings.